Tweet Talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode 40. Number 40 of the Seattle Supersonics. Sean Camp. Oh, yeah. Are we on the air? Tweet Talk. What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Yes. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Megner himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of Generational Wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. It's lit. It was funny. I was glad Sam did that. I was like, I hope he does it. <laughs> yeah, I saw him tweeting all day about the movie and I said, I had just watched the movie. He just watched the movie. Yeah. I, I just hit him up. I'm like, "Come on, man! Jump on a recording me real quick." I'm kind of, I'm kind of mad. I didn't get a chance to discuss the movie. Are you talking about the banker? Yeah, yeah, the banker. yeah. yeah. I did a little uh, bonus episode with Sammy from the Black for the State Dialogue podcast. Okay. Charles wasn't available, so he wanted to put something yeah. up. Episode Shine Kent, by the way. Yep, match up. Rafael and Charles. Have we got a special guest tonight? Brian Robinson, aka the infamous CPA. How you doing, Brian? Man, I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. He said he just did 3K today, so he's blessed. Yeah, yeah. It was, right, it was right. a good day. It was right, good, right. Good day. Plus another 2K for something, right? Yeah, I had. I got my tax return uh, from all those business deductions, so that was a nice little bonus. Okay. Hey, you, do, how- you do your own taxes? So I do my own personal, but I let my um, I have a CPA to do my business taxes because I just didn't have time. Like March was crazy for me, and you know, with the three fifteen deadline, it was no way I was getting all those taxes done by myself. How did the appraisal go? Oh no, you said that's Friday. Yeah, that's Friday. Okay, okay, so we'll okay. see. That's why I got the porch painted today because I'm like, I gotta, I gotta make it look like make it look new again because so all that foot traffic messed it up. How does uh, how has being a homeowner affected your taxes? Man, I get so many deductions. Like my my um my taxable income decreased substantially. Um, so now, like I used to not get a refund. Like my goal usually would be to just pay zero dollars in taxes, um, no refund. That's how it was for the past two years. But now that I have you know business, a couple of businesses as well as the real estate, it just helps so much, especially with the new tax guidelines. You know, with the standard deduction being like twelve grand. Being able to get over that threshold and still be able to get a refund is a blessing. Yeah, that's dope. When you house hack, it's kind of like it's like an asset and a business at the same time. Because yep. now you're renting it and you own it. So that's dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, speaking of house hacking, Brian, you got a brand new course out. Just dropped it over the weekend. Blueprint two, volume two. <laughs> Yes, He's sir. like Jay-Z up in this place, you know? Right. <laughs> I, had, I had to keep the series going, but no, definitely super excited about this course. Um, so I will literally walk you through step-by-step step how to, you know, first get your mind right uh, to, be in, to be able to put yourself in a position to believe that you can actually, you know, purchase a property and level up financially. 
Uh, then I go into personal finance um, briefly because that's the basis of actually, you know, being able to meet these guidelines for um, to get funding. Um, and then I just walk you through step by step, you know, finite, the financing part of it. Um, then we walk through property management. We walk through, you know, how to evaluate what's a good lender, what's a good real estate agent, et cetera, et cetera. We go through, you know, short term versus long term rentals. Like I went super, super in depth with it. Um, so I hope a lot of people find value in it. Unfortunately, Corona is messing up, you know, the financing part of it. You know, all the lenders are either not funding or tightening their, their restrictions. But after all this, I hope that I help, you know, a lot of people become homeowners. So definitely looking forward to that. Yeah. So for all the listeners, uh, make sure you check out Blueprint Volume 2, House Hacking 101, How to Fight a Landlord and Live Rent Free. Same. Our guy, uh, the infamous CPA, that's at the infamous CPA on Twitter and also on Instagram, right, Brian? Yes, sir. So real quick, before we really get started, just tell the people who you are real quick. Who is okay. the infamous CPA? So Brian Robinson, like I mentioned, I'm a certified public accountant licensed in Illinois. Um, I come from, you know, a low-income background, south suburbs of Chicago. Studied accounting at Northern Illinois University before I even really knew what I wanted to do. But I've always been always been super interested in math, so it kind of just clicked. And being the fact that you know, not only would I would be in a market where you know I will always have a job, I will also be able to impact my community through learning you know financial literacy concepts through um, accounting, since it's the language of business. Um, so that's kind of why I chose the accounting route. And then from there, you know, I graduated, started working for one of the big four accounting firms. Did that for two and a half years. Hated it because they worked us like crazy, you know, 70, 80 hour weeks during busy season. Um, so now I shifted over to a financial analyst position at a commercial real estate develop developer to kind of align my passions for real estate with my day job. So now I'm learning on a job and getting paid to learn versus, you know, getting paid to do something I don't want to do. Um, so that added a lot of value as well. And then during that time, you know, working at PwC as well as now, um, have side hustles ranging from, you know, car rental, the car rental business, renting out cars to Uber and Lyft drivers. I house hack a three unit property right now where I live in a basement and rent out the other two units. Um, and then now I'm starting to learn options. Shout out to Charles, starting to learn the options game, made probably like 150 already. And I bought the course like. I started the course like two days ago, um, so that's been super beneficial already. So I'm all over the place. Got a credit business as well. You can find us on Instagram at the 700 Circle or the 700 Circle dot com. Um, what else? And also, I'm on podcast. So the Double Up Podcast. You can check us out. We're on Spotify, uh, Apple Apple Podcasts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think that's everything. <laughs> this guy is 10x man. He's doing it. He's doing I, it big. I, I, I thought I was doing a lot. Nah, you're doing more than me. I'm trying to get like you. <laughs> Look, I saw you was charged. You was giving 40% affiliate. I'm like, I got to up my affiliate fee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Out of nowhere, he just hit, he just hit me up in the DMs like, yeah, just raise your, um, your percentage. Like, okay. I'm like, okay, okay. So, Charles, we're going to start with, um, by the way, once again, congrats on the new, the new, the new baby, man. Thank you, All sir. All hail Nolan, first of his name. <laughs> so we're gonna. I'm gonna start with 
one of your tweaks, uh, Charles. Nice and short. I think this one um, definitely applies to Brian. You just said one, two words, or, or one word, whatever you want to call it, over-deliver. Oh, yeah. So I've just been finding, like, in the beginning when I launched my course, um, I got a lot of feedback. And that feedback was a lot of questions, a lot of people saying, hey, what does this mean? What does that mean? And then I also got some negative feedback. Some people were like, oh, just one video? And so then I had to sit down and I had to, I had to create a second video. And then I had, to, I had to add a third video and a fourth video. And so like, I found that like, you have to, in business, always over-deliver. And that's something I learned from Nicole Purvey. Um, a lot of times people like to, they like to kind of create a minimal product and then price it at like exorbitant rates. And they'll say, that's what I'm worth. Then they wonder why nobody's buying their product. And what I learned from Chris is that there's more people that have little bits of money that are willing to give it to you, even if it's just trying it out, than there are who's going to commit that 500, that 600, that 700, that 1,000, that 2,000. And so you should be appealing to those people as opposed to trying to tax other people. But then when you do that, over-deliver. And so what I found that like people were buying the course and they're making their investment back the first trade or they're making thousands, two thousands, five thousand, just crazy numbers, but I didn't raise it. And so I feel like that's the value prop. And so now I'm at a point where if I ever start another business, how can I give value? How can I give you more than what you're paying for? Because if I can give you more than what you're paying for at scale and it's still profitable, then I can't lose. And so that's just one thing that I found. And that's one thing I try to implement in the Black Men Building Wealth Conference. We had 14 hours of content and we more than over delivered. Um, it's just kind of where I am in business and it's, it seems to work. So I study people, man. I'm studying anybody that I talk to. I just recorded a podcast with somebody today and like it just gets your wheels turning. And that's just one of the things that I found. And um, even in real estate, it's like in real estate, like, yeah, just because they're Section 8 tenants, low income tenants doesn't mean they don't appreciate nice things. So the strategy is let's give you a quality product and maybe we got to raise you to that level. So then you'll treat it better and then you will actually value living in that space as opposed to just kind of like giving people the bare minimum and then saying, you should be happy for what I gave you. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I see that all the time. Um, I forget who on Twitter kind of, uh, kind of coined this term, but he said something like my rentals don't look like rentals uh, in regards to real estate. I forget his name. I think his name is like Tyrone something. Um, Tyrone McDaniels? Over, over, yeah, Tyrone McDaniels. McDaniels. Over delivering is definitely where it's at. And I've seen similar things with like my first course, my car rental course. Um, I wanted to make it, you know, so specific to the point where you literally just follow the steps and then you make your money back, you know, as soon as you get your first renter. Um, and I think it's so much value in that, not just from a business standpoint, from but from a helping people standpoint. Uh, once yeah. you, you can price your products that low, you're able to reach so many more people. Um, and when you're helping that, the more people you help, the more you're going to get paid ultimately. So uh, I had to learn that myself that, you know, I can think I'm worth this, but the market is really going to determine what you're worth, no matter, you know, how good your product is. Because uh, ultimately, we're all in a people business. And, and the crazy part about it is, it's kind of like market saturation. So like for me, I had my price, my product price or whatever it was. I got all these testimonials and now I'm like, I could actually still increase the price and you're still getting value there. Yep. So I'm still delivering. I'm still giving you more than what you're paying for. And I might've entered the market at a low price, but I'm not going to stay at a low price. And honestly, I might still stay at a low price. I don't really mind. It's just that the, the trade-off is there now. So people are buying it. They're making their money back. 
And if I decide to raise it, I just still won't raise it super crazy. But if I did, there's still value there. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, for those listening, definitely if you get that options course, Charles did throw in a bunch of videos in there and he's still sending updates and more updates and more updates every week it seemed like. And definitely that car rental course from Brian, very thorough, a lot of detail, but not, but not boring at the same time. And we all know Brian is the king of the slides. Everybody talks about his slides, you know, we get it popping that Excel and the PowerPoint, Brian is with it. So like you got like, it's like Charles says, stop pricing your products at Louis Vuitton levels if you aren't Louis Vuitton. Uh, so the next tweet, Brian, you said, this, this, was, this was actually wasn't a tweet, but this came from um, a blog you did, you sent out to the email list, don't rush the process. Talk about that real quick. Yeah, yeah, so, um, you know, I think it's easy just being in the society that we live in, you know, this microwave society where everything is so instantaneous, it's easy to get caught up in, you know, watching other people's pockets, seeing how they flourished and took off, you know, so much quicker to you. Um, but we got to just sit back and realize and actually, you know, take time day by day to reflect and realize, you know, you're running your own race. Uh, we really got to focus on, you know, what we're doing um, to better ourselves day in and day out and not necessarily what other people are, are doing. So I think it's, it's really easy in today's age to just get caught up in you know, rushing to get to your end goal and not realizing, like Nip said, you know, it's a marathon. It's not really a sprint. Um, ultimately, you are going to see, you know, people on Instagram at 21, 22, you know, making six figures or closing, you know, $30,000 deals like we see on Twitter with wholesaling, you know, uh, pretty often. So that makes it really easy to just get caught up. Uh, so that's what I wanted to kind of hint at where you really just got to focus on your own progress. And for me, it was kind of like a self-reflection because I figured that, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, and I was actually just talking to someone about this the other day and I didn't realize it because it became kind of natural because um, I've been doing it for so long. And then I was just sitting one day and I'm like, why do I put so much pressure on myself? Why am I rushing the process? I'm only 26. I'm doing fairly well. That doesn't mean, you know, take the foot off the gas, but realize, you know, it's you versus you and not you versus the next individual. So now, you know, I'm just racing every day to become a better myself. And I hope that, you know, people who listen and take heed of that as well, um, just run your own race, race against yourself. Just, you know, try to get better every day versus then versus comparing yourself to what other people are doing and the progress that they're making. So one of the best business books that you can read is a book by Dr. Seuss and it's called <laughs> All the Places You'll Go. And Dr. Seuss has a lot of dope business books that you don't really realize are business books. And he makes this point in the book where he talks about like, in the beginning, you might be ahead, but then your friends might overtake you and take the lead. Mm -hmm. But you just got to kind of keep hustling and then pretty soon you'll be back ahead of the pack. And that's something I experienced when I first got out of college and everybody else was out of college. Like I was the man. I had the apartment. I had the dope job. Everything was going for me. And then I went to law school and I had to fall back. And everybody else was sprinting out ahead of me. I was getting jealous. I was like, man, they're going on trips, going to Vegas. And now we low-key untouchable. <laughs> and we only going to become more untouchable. Yep. And the crazy part about it is, like, it gets frustrating. But I feel like you do got to just run your own race and focus on you. Because, like, if you were ahead before, you'll likely be ahead later on. 
And quite honestly, it shouldn't even really be about that because a lot of us are chasing different stuff, man. Like for me, I've always chased entrepreneurship and to a lot of people that didn't make sense to them. And so when they're doing well at jobs, I was doing poorly at jobs because we're chasing different things. And so now like business is taking off and business is doing what it's supposed to do because I always knew that the goal was to make massive income through business as opposed to making whatever they want to pay you working for other men. Like they're successful in their own right and I'm successful in my own right. We all just chasing our own different, different path in life and that's okay. Yep, yep, yep. Run your own race. So that's, uh, I guess that's this week's book recommendation from Tweet Talk. All the Places You Will Go by Dr. Seuss. Straight bars, man. Read it to the kids. Yeah, I got to read it because I got to see how Dr. Seuss rhymes stay hustling. <laughs> he, that, was a, that was a paraphrase. He didn't say stay hustling. <laughs> no, but you, you read these things, you're like, okay. Like he was really, that's some, that's some bar. That's, that's forward. That's, you don't experience that until later on in life. Like he was talking about how like um, sometimes you'll play games that you can't win because you'll be playing against yourself. And he rhymes it. And that's kind of what we're talking about too. It's like at a certain point in time, you start running your own race and it's like, you can't win because there is really no competition. So yeah, Dr. Seuss, check it out. Cool. Cool. Dr. Seuss, baby. So I just want to stay on this topic for a little bit, a little bit longer. So Brian, you said, don't be so quick to invest, bro. It's okay to be patient and build up some reserves. You don't have to take the tough route of going all in early. Dip your toes in the water and see if it's too cold. I personally recommend going all in on your personal development first. Yeah. Um, so what I was getting at here was that, one, you need reserves. Like a lot of people, they are super, super quick to invest. Like they can't delay that gratification. And uh, I'm definitely, you know, I'm the same way. Uh, but I personally, I just feel like I'm a risk taker. And I know that, you know, with my background, my financial uh, expertise that I've learned over the years that, you know, I can make it out of any situation and dig my way out of it. But I think we kind of glorify the struggle of especially, you know, coming from these lower income backgrounds, we become so accustomed to struggling and making it out and being, you know, proud of that, where we don't have to make it that hard on ourselves, uh, especially when it comes to investing. You know, once you build up those reserves, you know, you have that emergency fund in place um, and you're a little bit comfortable. That's when it's kind of primed to invest um, without and you can avoid, you know, all the stress that comes with it. But you can do it the other way and it's probably going to be harder. Um, you're probably going to be a little bit more stressed out. But, you know, if you feel like you have the means to do it, I would say go for it as well. But just know that you don't have to you don't have to struggle through it. You can thrive in entrepreneurship, um, but a lot of people, they just get so accustomed to the struggle that they think that's how it is. They think that's how it, you know, needs to be. Uh, they want to push themselves to the brink when that's not necessarily necessary. Um, so that's kind of why I was hitting that. Like, you, it's, it's, it's okay to, you know, run your own ways, take your time with it, you know, invest sparingly and build up that momentum over time. Uh, that's not what I would do. Because I'm, I feel like I'm just a different type of person. But you got to know who you are. That's why it's so important to go all in on your personal development. Because you got to think about the amount of people who don't truly know themselves, don't truly know, you know, why they do certain things, don't truly, don't, um, they haven't taken the time to 
you know, understand how their childhood and how their environment has impacted them and still impacts them to that de- to this day. Um, they don't reflect. So a lot of people, they don't really know themselves. And I think that's why they have a lot of issues, not only in their personal lives, but that translate over to their businesses as well. Um, so that's why I say go all in on your personal development first and foremost, because the better you are, the more money you can make. Like it was a quote that says, your income will only grow to the extent that you will or something like that. Uh, and I think that's so true because you got to continue to be growing, uh, not just professionally, but personally as well to be able to reach, you know, whatever heights you want to see. So that's what I was trying to get at. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. So... I agree, but I kind of, I, I feel a little bit different in the, and the reason why is because I feel like most of us don't make investment mistakes. We just make the mistake of never investing. I always tell people like, it's not a lot of us that are out here saying like, yeah, I could have had generational wealth if only granny bought Apple stock instead of buying Tesla stock. The granny just didn't buy no stock. And so I feel like in a lot of ways, like you learn by doing. And so I tell people like, yeah, take the course, get the information and then do some shit. You don't have to do it with your own money. You can do it with paper money. You just got to get in the game and you got to get your seed legs and you got to figure out how to tread water your, yourself while you're out there. I also feel like investing is a form of saving. And so if you're investing and not putting money up so that you can get some stuff to spend, then we should be all right. So let's say, for example, you buy a rental property and then the rental property kicks off rents. And that's immediately in your reserves, especially if you still have a full-time job. Now you have money stashed. Now you have some protection against your asset. Instead of people, what they do is they buy it and now they're like, oh, dang, now I can go buy some stuff with her. Now I can go take my wife to, to dinner. I can buy her some shoes, kind of like what James Hunt did his year one of investing. But then he told you, he was like, he couldn't have had $10,000 stashed if not for the assets. These jobs are not there to free you, man. Um, And I hate to tell people this, but they just aren't. The more money you make, the higher life you're going to live off of that income. So with Brian's situation, it wasn't that he bought a house or he bought some stock. He bought a house. He bought a car. And then the car, which is an investment, which is a business, then funded his savings. And so I think we have to adopt that investor and that business owner mindset. And of course, the personal development 100% has to happen. I don't want people out there because if you're putting up money and you're ignorant, then that's not investing. <laughs> that's gambling. Mm-hmm. So like if we can classify investing, it's like the intelligent use of capital, not just the use of capital. Yeah. And so I think that like if you do that, I think you get to the end goal. It's like Kramer says, investing is a way to trick yourself into savings. Most people don't have savings because most people are just consumers. So once you kind of adopt that investor's mindset, you start looking at money as a tool, then you start using money differently and then you get a different result. No, I definitely agree. Uh, and I think you you really got to keen on the fact that, like you said, you know, it's intelligent investing. It's not gambling. Um, and I had to tell myself literally this yesterday because I made a I made an option trade. And I'm like, that was a gamble. That wasn't that wasn't that wasn't an investment. You know, I didn't do my due diligence um, and I kind of just, you know, put something out there trying to see if it stuck. 
now is just a gamble. And it's the same way, you know, with any other investment, uh, making sure, you know, you're doing your due diligence and actually making an informed decision um, is an actual investment versus a gamble. So I think that personal development definitely is super important because you just got to know. You got to know, you know, who you are as a person. You got to know um, how to evaluate certain situations, how to evaluate certain investments. And it definitely, you know, goes a, a long way. Um, and I think you definitely can. You definitely learn by doing. So definitely get out there. But just make sure, you know, you're investing money that you can afford to lose. So I think um, you definitely got to know that as well. Because if you just invest in your bill money, like you're tripping. <laughs> Unless you just, you just, you know, really honed in on that strategy already. And you, you trust yourself that much. But uh, you definitely got to make sure you're investing money that you can afford to lose because it's ups yeah. and downs to everything. Everything is cyclical. And you got to take the emotion out of it too. Yep. Um, I, I recently made a trade this week and typically I'm an optimistic guy, but I'm like, you can't be optimistic if you're trading. You got to be, what is the chart giving me? What is the data giving me? And so what I did is I was like, hey, it, it, the chart's on a downtrend. It's consistently been in the downtrend. Um, this company is basically dead, so I'm just going to put a put on I'm going to short it. And it ended up hitting, but it was a completely unemotional trade. And I feel like that's how you have to invest. you got to detach the heart and the feeling from investing and just make intelligent moves based on the data. What is the data giving you? And so I feel like that's kind of what, what a lot of people need to be doing. Yeah, for sure. So you kind of touched on this uh, a second ago, Charles. You said your boss isn't one you live in like Living how he lives. Man, I forgot where I... So, I work in downtown LA, and the owner of the firm is a Jewish guy um, from Iran, and he lives in Beverly Hills, got the Range Rover, got the Gucci belt, Gucci loafers. He's swagging. He's living the best life. But he ain't out there paying everybody else at that level. And I just feel like... it. When you're when you're when your boss created that business, you weren't in the business plan. He didn't say, you know what? I hope I can make Raphael rich. No, he said he wants to make sure that you can be he can be rich and his family can be rich and richer at your expense. And so, why do I say that? I say that because I wanted to detach people from jobs. The crazy thing about working a job and building a business is every cent that you make is a bonus. And so, let's say for example, you make sixty thousand dollars on your job and you make $20,000 in your business. You know what you can do with 20 grand? You can go take a trip wherever you want to take a trip. You can buy your wife whatever Louis bag she wants. You can eat at whatever restaurant you want to go to. You can really do whatever you want to do. At that point in time, it's just disposable income. You're living at that level. Now, the, 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 the one thing that I really did is I told you the story about how when I stopped working the job, I was able to live at the level that I wanted to live. And I was like, wow, like, now I'm living at boss status, CEO status. I'm living at like how you want to live, but you can work your whole life and never get to that level and then wonder why it is. You're like, oh, maybe it's because I'm not working hard enough. Or maybe it's because of racism. Or maybe it's because, I don't know. And it's not that. It's that you're getting your money the wrong way. You need to be getting it from the open market. Like I said, you don't need a raise. You need clients, you need customers, you need to go help some people because if you do that, all your problems are going to be solved. You solve other people's problems, your problems will be solved. And so I just, I just, I, I'm realizing that the game is rigged against us. And if you just have the intelligence to kind of break free from that game, 
that you can live at the level that you want to live. You can buy what you want to buy, protect what you what you want to protect, put your kids in the right school, do all the things that you're supposed to be doing, but you're not going to get it if you got your money coming through other men. Yeah. What you say, Brian? <clears throat> now, I was going to say, it's really like a job really limits your income. Like, like Charles said, it's, like it really limits, you know, your possibilities because, you know, you make money, you know, on a set period of time, Monday through Friday. But I think um, Chris talks about this all the time on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, like if you spend money every day, which all of us do, you know, you need to make money every day. And you just can't do that on a job unless you have a job that's, you know, Monday through Friday. And then you're trading your time for it. Um, and for me now that, you know, I have these passive income streams, it feels good waking up to a couple of sales, you know, uh, or a new renter, uh, renewing their, renewing their rental. That feels really good to be able to, you know, not trade your time and wake up to those sales. So you just can't do that with a job. You can't wake up and, you know, be like, okay, I just made money from working my job. Like, no, you didn't go in and put the hours in. Um, so a job really limits your potential. And I think a lot of us who, you know, market our services online and have full-time jobs, we make our money on the jobs. And sometimes in, in most cases, we make more on the side than, you know, in our jobs. And we work probably, you know, 25% of the time. Uh, to me personally, I only work like three hours a day on the side hustle, um, like focused attention uh, actually working. So, you know, that's 21 hours a week and I'm giving 40 hours to the gig. So I'm working half the time making more money. And it's like, at some point you got to realize, you know, what's going to benefit you more. Uh, granted, I do like the fact that, you know, I can take more risks because I have a full-time job versus, you know, if I was just all in, you know, full-time entrepreneur, I wouldn't be able to take as many risks um, because that's my li my livelihood. Uh, but I think your job can certainly limit you to a certain, to a certain extent. So you just got to keep that in mind as well. Aside from the money aspect, there's so many dope things about having your own business yeah. that aren't just like about getting rich. Um, one of them is being able to make money whenever, yep. whether it's mm -hmm. not just nine to five, but whether you're even doing anything that's work related. Like Raphael experienced it when you take a nap and you wake up to money. That would <laughs> yeah. never happen on a job. In fact, you take a nap, you're getting fired. The other thing is just like having people work for you. Like I'm at a point now where it's like you gotta like you're so big that you have to kind of put people in place. And that was always what I wanted. I wanted employees. If if work had to be done, I didn't want it to be done by me. And so, like, when I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it was dope to experience, like, like we always talk about getting a bunch of money and getting rich, but what about, like, actually having people work for you? What about being the boss? It's one thing to be a solopreneur or a sole practitioner or a single member LLC, all that stuff, but it's, like, it's another when you got people reporting to you. And the crazy part about it is in a lot of, in a lot of instances, they can actually do your job better than you. Like, I'm not good at doing the admin stuff and calling up the tax company and getting the insurance. But there's probably a girl out there who's very good at that stuff. Mm -hmm. She's going to put her whole heart into it. And I told somebody, I was like, if I'm having to do everything, then everything is falling apart. I can't do everything. I can't do the property management, the rehab, the taxes, the barbershop chronicles, all that stuff. At a certain point in time, I got to be the visionary. I got to say, where are we going next? And I can point you in that right direction as the point guard, but it shouldn't be my responsibility to be down there 
taking an hour to talk to one property tax person. You know what that hour could have been spent doing? A lot of other stuff. No, definitely. I think I learned that um, just seeing how the CEO of my current company works. Like, so it's a commercial real estate developer, but it's mostly for in the hospitality space. So hotels, but the hotels are tied to a story. So picture, you know, um, you went to, let's say USC, um, and the hotel is directly correlated with USC. I mean, you know, you might have the red and red and yellow theme and the carpets. You might have, you know, history from Southern California um, that a lot of people won't even recognize. So how they do it is they have what's called a writer's table where they basically, you know, sit down all the design people in the CEO and they basically spitball ideas of what they're going to uh, bring to the table that's going to help, you know, basically implement USC as well as the surrounding cities or whatever into the hotel. Um, and if you, if you were just a solopreneur, you know, you would be doing all this investigating yourself. But now as the CEO, when you have all these people bringing the ideas to the, to the table, now you can just evaluate and make the best informed decisions versus, you know, doing all the information gathering yourself and then sorting through it, you know, seeing what works and what doesn't, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it just makes your business way harder to run when you're doing all that. You're easily going to get burnt out because um, you just can't do it all. And then like Charles mentioned, you know, it's people out there that's going to do your job way better than you. You know, as the CEO, you know, your job is really to make decisions. That's really it. You know, make decisions that's going to benefit the company um, and steer the direction, not necessarily, you know, doing all the fact gathering. Um, so you definitely can go way further once you're able to employ people. And that's what I figured out with graphic design. Like I used to be on Canva making my own graphics, but now I have, you know, a graphic design company and they just do an amazing job. And it took so much weight off my shoulders because now I can just focus on creating, um, you know, creating the content, you know, putting out different ideas on, you know, what I want people to learn. And I don't have to physically create the graphics. I just put it in the Google Drive, you know, tell them what I want on there and they just get creative and throw it out there. Um, so it saves you a ton of time and then it just allows you to be your best self. So no, So did they create the cartoon you? No, I, that was Fiverr. So I got that on Fiverr. Yeah. They All right. It. And what's the name of that graphic company that you use? It's called Trend Influx Agency. So definitely everyone check them out. Uh, they're small business, all black women. And like, they're really, they're amazing at what they do. Um, so definitely try to get in early because once everyone figures out about them, I'm sure their rates are going to go through the roof because they're super right. talented. So one, one tip that I want to drop on the listeners, and this is something I do. And if you want to be a boss, I recommend that you do it. And that is this, study the CEO Wherever you work, look at what the boss is doing. Um, that's just something I always do, like because that's the goal. The goal is to see, see, be a CEO. I'm not over here trying to be the best employee. If I want to be the best employee, I'll be studying employees. And if that's what you want to do, then study employees. If you want to be a manager, study the manager. But if you want to be a boss, I highly recommend that wherever you are, you watch what that boss is doing. Because there are certain habits, there are certain things that, that you'll pick up on, you implement those in your own business. So for example, with me, I noticed that the owner of our firm markets his face off unapologetically. And so what I realized is I was like, you know what? If, if, if we're going to eat, we got to market our face off. But then I also realized in doing that is that's your only job as a business owner. 
If you are a business owner, your job is get business. <laughs> and then you figure out the who's going to do all the stuff, the admin stuff later. And so, like, that's all I do. Like, if I'm working, if I'm up, I'm promoting the business. I'm advertising. And, like, I've told Raphael, I was like, if somebody has a problem with that, there's a button for them. But what's going to happen is you're likely going to find that you're going to attract more people to you by promoting yourself and talking about yourself and big up in yourself, the, the people that are actually going to support you. Because the people that are going to follow you weren't going to buy anything in the first place. So you just got to get them out the paint. Like, yeah, it's cool. Uh, we could be friends, but I got a business to run and I got people to feed now. Yeah, definitely. And Brian, I mean, this is kind of touching on the same thing. I honestly am always amazed at noticing how much talent is not being leveraged outside of the nine to five. People yeah. leave so much money on the table. So much. Um, and this is a thought that came when I was literally at my job because, you know, I started a new position as a financial analyst where, you know, I'm working directly with um, the capital markets team. So those are the individuals who basically help negotiate the deals in terms of the long terms uh, with the lenders. Then I'm also working with the development team um, all the way up to, you know, the senior VP of development. And these guys, you know, they're literally doing development of millions of dollars of real estate and they don't do it on the side. Um, and then <laughs> the capital markets guys, <clears throat> they're not doing anything on the side as well. And they have all these skills, you know, with financial modeling, with Excel, and they don't have any side hustles other than, you know, trading the stock market. And I'm like, I couldn't believe it. Cause I'm like, you guys are smarter than me a hundred percent, but I make more money than you. Um, and I probably am a, a little bit happier as well because now I'm not pressured to, you know, work, uh, 12 hour days. You know, I'm out, I'm in at nine, maybe nine fifteen. I'm strolling in and I'm out by five thirty. Um, and I'm still, you know, I'm way happier. So it just made me realize that, you know, a lot of people, they sit on unused talent and they really don't leverage it to their full capacity. Because all a lot of people know is, you know, I have a great job, you know, I'm comfortable, et cetera, et cetera. But you can do so much more and you're going to help way more people outside of your nine to five than you will at your nine to five in most cases, I think. So I always advise people to monetize their genes. Like it's, I think everyone has, you know, skills that they can leverage, even if they don't know it yet. It takes one person to believe in them and, you know, help them realize it that they have these skills that not only that they can monetize but they can help you know the masses with a problem that they have so definitely I encourage everyone who listen to this to monetize their genius figure out what you're good at and if you think you're not good at anything go learn the skill like you got YouTube University you got courses like you can become good at something um, relatively easily so definitely get out there and monetize your genius I feel like in a lot of ways, it's kind of unfair to your heirs to limit your income to what you can make between nine and five. Because I don't know the exact math, but there's seven days in a week, 24 hours in a day. And you're probably making money for like 25% of those hours. If you take a full Saturday and Sunday off and you work eight hours Monday through Friday. And so I was on Twitter this morning and somebody posted something and he was saying like, if you happen to have a job that doesn't allow you to do the, one of those things, then you got to create an entity and then function your business through that entity. And I feel like what frustrates me about a lot of people, and I, I think that the reason I know why this is, but like my mom, for example, I keep telling her like, man, like 
you could be making so much more money if you would just bring in your own tax clients, if you would just market yourself and bring your own accounting clients instead of just only doing the clients they work for. And so you come to me and you complain about your job, but you're not building a solution. You're just going back to the job. I don't know what that's called, but it sounds like, like oppression to me. And so um, when, when Brian was talking about, that was an earthquake. When Brian was talking about um, how you're, he said you're going to help more people in business and on your job. I remember one time after the Black, Black Men Building Wealth Conference, I asked, I was like, what would your job say if you said, I want to build, I want to put on a Black Men Building Wealth Conference? Like, how do you think they would feel about that? Right. I don't think that's going down. <laughs> but you saved your community. You served your community. I get DMs every day from people who are like, man, thank you for this. Thank you for that. And I only get that because I have a business. And I tell people, like, my business ain't out here. You felt that? That earthquake? Oh. So um, I say that because I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Dang, I forgot what I was saying. Hopefully Donna the Voice catches this. <laughs> uh, I don't even know. Did you feel that? About, uh, you help more people uh, with your business and you're talking about Right, that. oh, so yeah. I just, I, oh, so the job that I work at, like it's a law firm and we do personal injury law. And so we help, like, I don't know if we really help a lot of African-American people, honestly. It's, it's a Jewish-owned firm, and I don't think he really has our community's best interest at heart. Like, he has his pockets in the best interest at heart, and he's going to continue to market and bring in those low-income clients. But what ends up happening a lot of times, because the system ain't exactly in their favor, or maybe the attorney just kind of is like, ah, take what you can get, is you can notice the disparity between settlements between African-American people and not african american people. Mm. And... I don't know if that's because of the system or if you just have somebody who just doesn't really care. Like for me, the people that I do business with, I care about them. If they succeed, I'm happy. If they succeed, I feel like I succeeded. Like if you get wealth and if you get yourself away from having to work for a job, I feel like I won because that's just how it works. It's like if I pass Rafael the ball and we're both in the Lakers and he scores, then I win. And so I feel like that's what happens when you do business. Like my only, I was telling somebody like my only purpose through my business is to help black people get money. And of course, it's kind of turned into a more diverse thing, but like everything I do is oriented towards that. Like we're in real estate or if we're in stocks or if we're in options or if we're in vending machines or if we're in all these the Black Men Building Wealth Conference, trucking, mobile homes, like that's my only goal. My business rises and falls over how many black people I can help. And if we had a bunch of people out there doing that, we'd have a lot less people that need help. Man. All right. That's facts. All right, so Charles, you had um, these two tweets together. The first one you said, a business is a project, kind of like a school project. And you also said, launch before you're ready. The pressure from early customers to improve will push you to get it right and get it right quick. <laughs> so um, I like the idea of starting a business as a project because it takes kind of like the hope out of it. I feel like a lot of times people think they're like, maybe playing the odds when they're building a business and not like they're just putting the pieces together to build a business. And if you look at it that way, I think it makes the end result a lot more attainable. So that's one thing. And then the other was, it's kind of like the, the lean startup, the minimum, viable, the minimum viable product. And just how I tell people all the time, like you need to get started, get fancy later. I found that like, you got to take your product to market because Quite honestly, you don't really know 
what it's missing. You just know what you know. You knew what you put together. And that's important because that's just how business works in America. Everybody thinks that they have to be that exception. They got to put that perfect product out. And so what happens, they never put anything out. And that's frustrating to me because we need more businesses. We need more people to just put their stuff out there and they refine it and tweak it later. I always tell people that like the first iPhone didn't have a lot of features that these iPhones have now. And they made a bunch of money selling that first iPhone. But what happened, they put it out there and people were like, hey, we need landscape keyboard. Hey, we need a front facing camera. And we need copy and paste. But they're still lined up to get that thing. I want people to, to launch the iPhone one of their product. Get it to the market and then tweak it and refine it. It's not going to be comfortable. You don't get DMs. They're going to tell you like, hey, bro, like, I don't understand this. Or, hey, bro, you should do this. Or, hey, bro, like, I want a refund. And that's okay. That's just business. If you just look at it like that's just business instead of trying to avoid the uncomfortable stuff, then we'd have a lot more people who are out there like getting after it and launching their products and getting into people's hands and making money. Because you make money selling products, man. I've seen the light. I've found that I would rather make money selling widgets than selling hours because widgets are unlimited, especially digital widgets. Imagine if we went into the, into the business of selling products, physical products. And I was listening to the Earn Your Leisure podcast and they were talking to Ryan Leslie and he made this point. He was saying like, digital products have a limited sale, a limited scale. There's no shipping. There's no manufacturing. There's no actual cost of goods sold. It's legit 100% product or uh, profit. And so like, that was just mind blowing to me when he said that. And then he also said something that I've been leaning on too. He was like, bro, like you could sell a million copies of your record and you would still would be not people wouldn't even hear have heard about, have heard about you. There's like what a hundred million people in the United States. I don't know. It's a lot of them, but like, that's what I lean on. I'm like, I need more customers. I need more customers. I need more customers. But let's say I bought that lot of bags from uh, Alibaba and I get 50 bags. That means at most I can make 50 sales. And after I make 50 sales, I got to start all over again. I got to wait a month. I got to do all that stuff. With digital sales, digital products, you got to do that. And I can continuously update and refine it. I can do what I want to do. Launch before you're ready. What you said, Brian? Launch before you're ready. No. Um, He's more polished than I am. I honestly <laughs> realize like, the same thing in terms of with digital sales. Like when I first... You know, I got a 7K check from Gumroad. I'm like, have I ever had a check this big before? I'm like, this is ridiculous. Uh, and I'm like, I, I felt the same way. Like, I really seen the light, you know. I started posting my numbers and my close friends on Instagram because I'm like, you know, I didn't know this was possible. Uh, I didn't think to do that. You know, you have people like Chris and Charles that kind of share their stories. And it's like, I got to show everybody else. I got to tell everybody else, like, this is possible. Like, monetize your genius, like, for real. Uh, so no, I couldn't agree more. And I'm trying to get a couple of my friends who have very specialized skills that a lot of people will, you know, benefit from. Like, you know, I'm telling them, create a course, create a course. I help you. I do whatever I need to do because it's important that not only I want them to level up financially, I want them to be able to share their gifts with the world. Um, and of mm -hmm. course, it's the easiest way to do it, especially when you know. All you're doing nine times out of 10 is creating a PowerPoint deck and then walking them through exactly how you do it. And nine times out of 10, you know exactly how you do it. So you're basically just regurgitating something that's in your head already, you know, putting mm -hmm. it out on the internet and helping others. Uh, I think it's super dope. So, you know, I definitely encourage anyone who has a gift, whether that be, you know, 
personal training, whether that be cooking, et cetera, et cetera, you know, use this downtime right now to find ways to get your gift out to the world. Cause we need more people out here that's gonna share their gift. Yeah, Cause ultimately that's gonna take us further as a people, not just African-American people, but you know, humans in general. Um, Cause a lot of people just imagine if, you know, Madam CJ Walker just stayed uh, doing laundry or et cetera, et cetera. You know, she wouldn't be been able to employ all these people. She wouldn't be able to inspire people that she's inspiring today. Like her legacy lives on. So you definitely got to get your gift out to the world. And of course, this is one really, really easy way to do it. So definitely encourage it. And, and while we're on that subject, I think that, and we're dropping gems, I would tell people to put out as much as you can. Um, Cause you never know what's going to hit, man. Yep. So like, you never know, but you have a lot of knowledge, especially if you do a lot of things. So it's like, you got the cars, you got the house hacking, who knows what's next? I don't know what could be next for you, but there's something else that you know. Raphael, there's something that you know. Like for me, I put out all these different things. I had investing as a group, starting an LLC, uh, investing in long distance, vending machines. And then one hit and hit big. And it wasn't what I was expecting to hit big. I just put it out there. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes it's luck. Sometimes it's not even planning. I think that a lot of times we try to plan a little bit too much. And we try to, we try to think our way to success and try to smart our way to success. And I think Chris said it, but he's like, there's a reason why, like, the leaders of these academic institutions aren't the wealthiest in America. Like, you can't just be the smartest person and get the most successful. A lot of times, it's just the person that's willing to do the most. I forgot, I think it, it's like they said, fortune favors the bold. And so you got to be bold, you got to put, put, put what's out there, you got to be willing to endure the criticism. You're going to get criticism. But if 50 people hate you, 50% of people hate you, you can still be the president. So it's like, I'm, I'm out here chasing, like, they're going to talk. And if they are talking, you aren't doing nothing, man. Like, you just got to get it out there. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. No, that's facts. That's super facts. I was thinking about this, you know, a long time ago, someone hit me up and they was asking about uh, somebody on Twitter that's super successful. And I'm like, um, regardless of anything, you know, personally, you know, I'm like, this dude is a marketing genius. If he says something marketing, like I'm trying it, like I don't <laughs> care. Um, so no, I think that's that's a, a really good point when you say like if 50% of people hate you, like you can still be the president. Like it doesn't matter. You just got to be willing to put yourself out there, like you said, because the more you put out there, the more content you put out there, the more opportunities you have to see what's going to stick. Um, so definitely got to get out there. It's just a matter of shooting your shot. Like we are sliding the DM and shoot our shot all day. But when it comes to business opportunities, <laughs> we scared, we nervous. Like you can take the same approach, like take your shot of whatever alcohol you need and, you know, take your shot on that business venture and not just on the girls. So, um, yep. I think that's super, that's super important. Like you got to see what works. Cause I know I, I certainly didn't expect like the car rental course to pop off like it did. I'm like, what the hell? Um, definitely never expected that. So 
definitely going to continue to put out content, um, courses, et cetera, et cetera, and just continue to see where I can go with it and how many people I can help. Uh, and I want everybody else to do the same. So I feel like what I used to think, you know, just growing up that, you know, the next man was competition. But now I see it's like everybody really can eat. And coming from those low-income environments, we don't necessarily believe that. Um, we kind of have to shift our mindset to believing that, you know, money is abundant, uh, success is abundant, and everybody really can, you know, get to where they want to go. We just got to really support one another. Like, I could have been, you know, on Twitter, not really kicking it with um, – other people that do credit repair, like Irene, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm like, bro, I love them. Like, I don't even really know them like that. And like, I really want to see them be successful, even though we might be in the same lane in terms of that particular industry. But I realized that, you know, all of us can eat. All of us can eat in our respective lanes, uh, even if it's the same industry. So everybody is not competition. Everybody is really a resource. Like, if you think another person is going to be successful, like you should be clapping, you should be rooting for them, especially if they look like you, because that's a win for the community. Uh, so I definitely advise that as well. Like don't look at other people as competition. Look at them as not only resources, but uh, motivation as well. Cause a lot of people on Twitter, I was thinking about this the other day when I was reflecting, I'm like, I'm really thankful for everybody on Twitter that just drops game because we help so many people collectively and we're moving the culture forward. Like Black Wealth Renaissance, they chose the perfect name because this is what this truly is. Like it's a renaissance of black wealth and we're seeing it day in and day out. We're making, you know, 1K days become the norm. Like I didn't know right. I could I didn't know I could have a 1K day. Charles kept saying, I'm Mr. 1K. Yeah. I'm like, I'm about to have a 1K day. And now I've hit it, you know, time and time again, it's becoming normalized. And I'm like, that is so dope. So we just got to keep keep going with it. That is crazy. It's crazy how, like, you can walk into what you speak. So it's like I always blow my mind when I say something, and I'm like, dang, like, is we really out here doing it? Because when I said it, I didn't believe it could happen. I just said it because it was ambitious. Mm -hmm. And then you started walking into it. So 100%. Sometimes I make 1K before you wake up. <laughs> now I gotta do that. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, man. One K a day. I'm saying, like, okay, well, I'm, a little 1K, I'm gonna start with my one K a month. That's pretty close. It's about to happen. I gotta move to that one K a week and then move on. But um, just like you guys were saying before, Charles, you had a tweet saying, "Put yourself out there. You can do more than you think you can." You just you guys just talked about that, man. I don't know if you're going to do the bigger tweet, but um, I got a vendetta against anti-wealth Twitter. And it's not even, it's not even like I, dis I dislike them individually. I, I dislike the fact that sometimes when, we, sometimes when we see success, instead of like celebrating it or supporting it or trying to follow in their footsteps, we like hate on it or call it a scam or say like, it's like all these negative things. And I just see it time and time again. Like, and we've seen it with like, I didn't even realize like they literally shut down Tulsa real estate farm for a little bit. But the crazy part about it is the same people before were saying that it couldn't work. They're like, Oh, you can't pull that off. We broke. We ain't got no money. And then he raises a bunch of million dollars. Like, Oh, it's a scam. Like he literally went step by step by step, checked all the boxes. And they're still hating on him. And the frustrating thing is it's not even other folks, man. It'd be your own. And so, like, I've just seen it time and time again. 
And Tony the Closer kind of pissed me off when he brought it to light and he was just like, I feel like he went about that whole situation tacky. I think he expects me to back down. I definitely didn't back down, even though people told me I should. But I was like, I stood on my principles. I feel like if, if you are wronged, it's okay to be wronged. But going about it the getaway isn't dope to me. If people get sued every day in business, if he did you wrong for 50 grand, that's sue worthy. You don't go fight the dude. You don't go and make fun of his wife. You don't go and call him all kinds of names and say he did a bunch of stuff that he didn't do. I feel like we got to elevate as a culture, man. Like it's not just about getting money. It's not just about having stuff. It's also about elevating mentally to the point where we can solve disagreements intelligently to where we can move on professionally because then you're, you're ruining his, his name, his family's name, all these different things. And people can think that it's not important, but it's very important because in the streets it's happening every day. People are getting shot. People are getting killed. People are, it's like real life stuff. And it shouldn't be like that. Why does our community have to be like that? It doesn't. And so I, I kind of posted that because it's like, I feel like people will call what they don't understand a scam instead of saying, I don't understand. Like, bro, like maybe you just don't understand how he makes money. So maybe you should ask him. And pretty much any successful person that you've seen, like Dr. Umar Johnson, um, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but they always attach it to a scam. They always try to shame him and bring down their name. And I feel like we got we to gotta stop doing that, man. Because unfortunately, in America, a lot of African-American men are guilty before proven innocent. And so if you even allege it, they're already throwing the book at him. And that's what pisses me off. It's like uttering the words without proof. That alone could shut somebody's whole operation down. Even if it's not true. And all it is is some hate. That's the reason why, like, it's like, we're, we're out here and we are literally ruining people's legacies. And it's really just off of jealousy and ego. Because you go to the other side of Twitter and they're celebrating each other. Because they know there's an abundance of resources. We think there's scarcity. And so we see somebody else getting it. We think there's none for us. So it's like, oh, I got to hate on you because you're taking all the money. It can only be one black person. It can only be one first black person. Like, no, like we could all get it. So that's what I had to say about that. So you got, you got something to add on that one, Brian? Nah. It's kind of a touchy subject. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Like, we, we can't have that crabs in a bucket mentality. Like, we just got to help, help everybody get to the top. Um, but it's an environment thing that I think – shapes a lot of that we just gotta subsede our environment really um especially from a mindset point of view i think that's huge right 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 and real quick another book recommendation um because i heard brian say um talk about if more people if more of our people would start businesses then our, our people would benefit more but not also but not only that the whole human race would benefit. It reminded me of this book called The Black Tax by Sean D. Rochester. He goes into, you know, people, he's like, people always talk about reparations and how we've been done wrong and all that stuff. He said, all right, let's take like kind of like the emotion of, out of it and let's put a number on what we've lost, like an actual number in terms of dollars. He goes back and tries to like calculate the labor that we lost for working for free and all this stuff. And he also talks about the fact that we weren't allowed to file patents mm. and use our genius. Yep. He said, if, if we were allowed back in those days to use our genius fully, then the United States, as rich as the United States is, the United States would be even more wealthier if they had allowed us to yep. monetize, 
to that's why that's why Atlanta is so dope, man. Atlanta is a, is is a place where you have black wealth and white wealth coexisting. And I think that that's why that whole city is kind of thriving. I love Atlanta. Yeah. So Brian, yeah. you know, you got, we had, you got to talk about the first uh, blueprint uh, car rental uh, course. You said on Twitter, what most people do buy a brand new car, they deserve pay a high car note and insurance. What smart people do purchase used, rent it out, and make four to $700 in passive income every month. That the rental pay for the car you really want or put additional money in your pocket. Yep. Um, so I wanted to make this point because, man, I literally, I actually had a credit repair client who, you know, we, we just started working on his credit. I think it's like month one. We got him up to like a 520 from like a 470. And he goes to buy a car and I'm like, Ooh, like what? what are you doing? I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, I'm like, man, I just felt I deserved it. And I've heard that time. <laughs> I think that's our favorite excuse when we do something we know we shouldn't have did. Like, man, I deserved it. I deserve to go on that trip. I deserve such and such. Um, and we really set ourselves up for failure. And we put ourselves in a position where we got to continually working hard to, you know, now we got to pay off this car. Now we got to continue working hard to pay off that trip. A lot of people go on trips, you know, and put themselves in debt. Um so I want to kind of make this point to where, you know, if you invest first, your investment can pay for your trip. And not only that, or for your car, whatever, so have you. Not only that, if it's a one-time thing like a trip, you know, you're still going to have that cash flow after the trip. So it's still going to come in, like, and you just invest it one mm. time. Um, so it's super, it's super dope to just invest first and get that passive cash flow and use that to leverage, you know, buying your liabilities or whatever fund you want to have but of course first and foremost you know you want to uh have reserves in place but it's a really simple concept that uh, but a lot of people just do it backwards because you know i think it's really because of how we're brought up like if you're forced into delaying gratification for 18 20 25 years of your life when you finally get some money you like i deserve it you know I couldn't buy the clothes I wanted. I couldn't go on the trips I wanted. I couldn't have the car I wanted. It's hard to stay down and be like, no, nah, I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to invest. I'm going to get this cash flow, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, nope, your money, we plan to spend our money before we get our check. Like, I remember when I was in college, I'm like, when I start working at PwC, I'm going to get this pair of Jordans. I'm going to get that. I'm gonna <laughs> get this. Glad, luckily, I didn't do any of it. And I decided to, you know, get my credit right, you know, pay off some credit card debt. And start saving for this uh, property, but you know I easily could have fell in the same boat because I was so tired of delaying that gratification. Um, so we got to get into our mind that it's better to have money um, versus having those things. Uh, it's better to have money and freedom versus having those things. So when you have that mindset, then it's much much easier to digest the fact that you should invest first and have, you know, cash flow and reserves, et cetera, et cetera, versus, you know, buying the Louis, buying the Gucci, going on all these trips that, you know, you really know in your heart that you can't afford. So, yeah. Yeah, folks, so definitely get Blueprint Volume 1, the car rental business, how to invest in car rental industry, 
from the Influence CPA. We will have all the links in the show notes and all that stuff. Um, Charles says, they got to get rich so it can legitimately be above others' opinions. <laughs> I, say some, I say some really arrogant stuff, man. Hey, I, I love it. <laughs> I love the arrogance, bro. Like, I love it because I think a lot of people are just not – they're afraid to be confident. And I think that's all – Arrogance can be over the top, but uh, my, my fraternity, our chapter is actually called Arrogant Epsilon Phi. And not because we're arrogant individuals, because we were really, like, from history, we were really on our shit on top of everything. Like, always had the highest grades, always ran the capits from, you know, student organizations. But we were arrogant in the fact that we help people. And I think you can be a little arrogant when you're helping that many people. Um, it's really just a confidence thing. And I think so many people are afraid to really be confident in who they are. So when they see another person, you know, shining their own light and being super confident, it makes them feel less than. Uh, yeah. So I don't look at arrogance as a bad thing at all. So I, I would just say that, like, I, I feel like I'm a very kind of educated person, not just academically, but also like in the books that I read and the podcasts that I listen to. And I just don't really engage in a lot of ignorant stuff. I don't listen to a lot of ignorant music. I don't watch a lot of ignorant movies. I don't, I don't engage in that. I try to immerse myself in things that are like elevated, but I constantly have to debate people and constantly have to argue with people. And I've noticed that as I've kind of shared some, some things with some people, they start to look to me for guidance as opposed to debating everything I say. And so like for me, like I've always known that I've been right. Like I've had like a long track record of doing certain things like, it's just, I didn't just start like kind of doing stuff. Like I've been doing stuff my whole life. And so like, even when like, like my parents kind of come to me and they're like, oh, well, in regards to the business, you should do it this way. I was talking to my mom and we were talking about how we're going to set up the, the stuff to follow our taxes. And I was like, I'm going to do it this way. And she was like, well, I don't think you should do it that way. And I was telling her why we're going to do it this way and why my way kind of works. And I was like, don't debate me. Like, I know what I'm talking about and I have the success to prove it. I just, it's when, when you're all, when we're all on this level, like it's tough for people to kind of really understand what you're saying or really appreciate what you're saying. And I just, I don't want the dissension. I don't want folks debating me, telling what they think, because we can't get to the next level if I got to listen to what you think. We can get to the next level. We can just kind of execute along the terms of that vision. So that's just kind of what it was. Like, I just, I don't want the debate anymore, man. And I want to be so successful that, so that the people can't really debate with me. Although they're going to try, they try to tell rich people what to say to what what's right all the time. But like, I just, I want to legitimately say I made it and yeah, I hear you talking, but it's the golden rule. He has the gold makes the rules. So I need some more gold. And that's, that's, I don't know. I just, I, I mean, it's, it's tough because the thing is, it's like, you guys might hear it. It might sound crazy, but like, I know where I want to go next and I can't have disagreement if I'm going to go there because all that disagreement does is slow you down. When people are like, oh, you shouldn't do that. That's not right. It's like I, not, nothing happens. And that's the thing. It's like it's not so much like I want to win an argument as much as I want to win the life. I want to go forward in life. And I can't go forward in life. And I'm spending time trying to convince you. I just want to say, like, I know what I know, man. And we're going forward with this plan. And, yeah, you can disagree. You can have your opinion. You can have your disagreement, whatever. That's nice. That's great. That's cool. But we got stuff to accomplish, man. I'm trying to do some downtown LA stuff. I'm not trying to. I, I'm not trying to just do Detroit stuff forever. I'm trying to get out of Detroit as fast as possible. Charles, you said 
If you give a boss money, he's going to invest in more product, marketing and branding. You give an employee money, and he's going on vacation. <laughs> I feel like sometimes like being an employee can kind of set you back in that you just got that false sense of security. You know what check's coming. And I just realized like this whole week, I, I've just been investing in new different things. I'm like, all right. I need to continuously improve my processes because if it's working at this level, if I can invest to get a new website, create my own ecosystem, get my marketing, invest in more advertising, the more that I invest in my brand and spend money in the brand, the more money that I make. So I just realized like when you strictly are an employee, you're just looking for a break from being an employee. I don't even think employees want to be employees. They're like, I can't wait to get off on vacation so I can go and like live rich and sit on the beach and be in a hotel. But like what I've noticed is successful entrepreneurs invest in their product. They improve their product. They refine their product. And so a perfect example is just uh, Miss Cynthia Hawkins, another boss that I, that I studied for some time. And she's just an African-American business owner in Watts that owns a burger restaurant in the middle of the ghetto with brioche buns, Angus beef, fresh cut vegetables that she cuts every single day. Wow. Like everything in that restaurant's high end because she just continues to invest in her product. And I feel like that's the, what you have to do is like, especially as African-Americans, like once you get over the threshold of getting like, okay, I have a brand, I have a presence. Now you got to improve it and you got to actually compete at that level. Now you got to put out some quality stuff and you might have to put out more quality stuff than the next man. Cause they always try to say that their, their ice is colder. So that means you just got to have even colder ice. So you got to just step it up and have better ice or have something that's even better than ice. And so that's just kind of how I feel. And it might not true, but it might not, it, it might be true. It might not be true. I just know that me recently, I'm going all in on the business of me and whatever that looks like. If that looks like more advertising, then I'm going to put some money in advertising. Um, and what people don't realize though, is when you start spending that money, like on getting an assistant, it actually makes you more money. If it didn't, your boss wouldn't hire you. So I'm like, if I got an assistant, I should actually get a return on her labor. It shouldn't just be a loss to me. So if I'm paying her 15 bucks an hour, I should be able to get 45 to $60 worth out of that. So then employees actually become investments. The people who work for you are actually should be providing a return and they might actually give you a better return than maybe a house or maybe stocks or maybe all these different things. And so like, that's just coming where my mind is now. I'm like, damn, like after you realize that, like how many more employees can I get? I need more people to be doing this work. So then we can just continue to scale. And it's a mind, it's a mind shift because if you're making $30 an hour, you're like, why would I pay somebody 20 bucks an hour to do something? Like that's almost as much as I'm making. But what you have to realize is you're not really worth $30 an hour. You're probably worth about a thousand dollars an hour. You're probably worth about $2,000 an hour. So when you start thinking at that level, then paying somebody that 15 makes sense. It makes more than sense because you're freeing up your time so that now I'm not chasing around property taxes and I know what's getting done. I'm not chasing around getting this unit flipped and I know what's getting done. And if it's not getting done, it's a problem because if you don't get it done, we're going to replace you or we got to have a talk. But it's not a matter of like, I got to literally do the work and I got to make it happen. No, now my only focus is scale. Now I'm not looking at tax stuff. Now I'm only looking at more deals. Now I'm only talking to banks because I don't have to talk to contractors. It's actually a bar. Talking to banks, not contractors. Tweet it out, man. Tweet it out before you forget. Yeah. That's a bar. Tweet it out, man. I already know you. Come on. <laughs> anyway, this is like one of the longest episodes ever. Yeah, I'm about and to Rafael, wrap it up. About to wrap it up. Yeah, I was just about to wrap it up with one last tweet from Brian. I, I could have swore he was on this show before, though. 
No, it's no, first tried, we, yeah, we tried a couple weeks ago, a month we ago. Did. It didn't work out. That's what happened. So, Brian, you said what's dope about life is that if you get rid of fear, you can take the approach of simply finding out what you're capable of. Many people die without knowing that. But if you live every day trying to figure that out, stretching your limits, you probably have few regrets. Yeah. Um, and this, this thought came about, and I remember the specific moment. Um, I was talking to my podcast buddy, Eugene, and he was telling me about some quote. Um, I forget exactly who it's from, but he said the richest, it says like the richest place in the world is the graveyard. Cause that's where, you know, all people's, you know, dreams, um, that's where they, they go when they don't put them out into the world. Uh, so I realized that fear is the number one thing that's going to hold a lot of people back because, you know, every next level that you try to get to, it's going to have an element of fear to it because you never know what's going to happen. You never know, you know, what can come of it. Um, in most cases, we're going to put a lot of pressure on ourselves. So that's going to be a little bit fearful as well. But if you can get rid of that, if you can get over that hump, then and realize that you know you're just really figuring out what you can do but you're never going to know which what's possible if you never you know take that first step uh so that's what i try to encourage a lot of people like um you don't have to see the whole vision like just take the first step you know take the first step take the first leap uh make those mistakes and just keep moving and i think that's what's dope about life like you can literally make a ton of mistakes continually learn from them and continually evolve day after day and every single day you're still not going to know what you can achieve it's like it's yeah. still more you can do and you don't even know so when you just take that approach it's like okay you're going to probably reach your potential and then some because you're continually stretching your limits um, getting outside of your comfort zone day in and day out and i think that's super dope because especially coming from low-income backgrounds and i think a lot of this a lot of my mindset kind of comes back to this. It's like no one in the hood knows what they're capable of because a lot of us, we stay in the hood. We stay in that poverty mindset. And even when we make it out, um, some people just stay at a job. They don't know what they're capable of. Even full-time entrepreneurs, they, I think entrepreneurs get the closest to finding out what they're capable of if they're doing it right. right. Um, because they have, you know, freedom to you know, decide what they want to do to be able to stretch their limits. But I think if you can just overcome that initial hump of fear and doing something new, like the possibilities are endless because time after time, you know, as you continually do so, it becomes like a muscle of overcoming fear. So now, you know, if you have a new goal, you want to accomplish a new hump you need to get over, you can reference all of those times that you got over a, a hump. It's just like in job interviews when they tell you, they tell you like you know <laughs> tell me <laughs> tell me that's a the time. Music right there <laughs> <laughs> like tell me a time when you did such and such you can reference that within your own head to whatever hump you're trying to get over and it's like now you have that muscle you have that um know with all that you've done this before just in a different situation um so I think that's dope about life, just truly just finding out what you're capable of. And it just all starts with believing you can do it. Um, and when you believe you can do it, it's easy to get over that fear component. So one thing that I'm afraid of is buying a rental car and a tenant or a renter not renting it from me. How do I get over that fear? 
But you're in LA. Like that's that's super easy. Like demand is crazy. Uh, and I think what's dope about the rental car business is that, you know, even in times like this, renters are able to pivot. Like no one can leave the house really or sparingly. So Uber and Lyft demand, you know, went super down, but the surge in food delivery went crazy right. up. Because even though people people literally filled up their pantries and they're still ordering takeout. They're still mm. ordering Uber Eats. They're still on Grubhub. They're still on Instacart for their groceries, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think it's really just a matter of marketing, um, like taking good pictures of your course. And it's just ways to mitigate that risk. Like one thing I advise people to do, they don't think their market is a, a, a market that has a lot of demand. You can literally call Hire Car and ask them, where's the most demand near you? And they'll tell you because they want you to succeed. Because when you succeed, they succeed. Because then they get to charge you that fee. Um, So definitely just go out and do it. Like, I've had people who literally, you know, they'll purchase a car. And, you know, after they get the Uber and Lyft inspection, they will literally get a renter the next day. And then they'll hit me back a couple days later. And they got another car and another renter. I'm like, what? (laughs) They're moving, you know, way faster than I am. I think it's just an element of fear, just like anything else. Anything yeah. else when you're doing something new, it's an element of unknown. But um, something that I leverage is the fact that I feel like, you know, if I'm behind it, I'm going to make it work. Um, right. So when I have that mindset, it's just like, it's whatever. 100%. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to make it work. And so it's just that confidence, belief, and that muscle that I'm continually built up. Like, you know, everything I've done that I really put effort into, I made it work. So why should this be any different? True. And then I'll always, if you like buy it and it doesn't work out, you can always sell the car. Yeah. So. Larry June said one thing about me, I'm gonna always find a way. I think that's a bar um, because you do got to bank on the value of you. Yep. Um, especially in business. It's like, if, if, if worst case scenario, I was thinking about this today and it's something I learned from Cynthia Hawkins is like, she was like, this whole business could come, could fall down. All the employees could leave, but as long as I got me, we good. So it's like, I look at that, like with everything I touched, the investment club, everything. I was like, I could lose everybody, but as long as I got me, we good. Like in actuality, your vision is what created it all in the first place. So it's like, at the end of the day, all you really need is you. So everybody else is just an add on a bonus, a benefit. So this episode is sponsored by Fiji water. So, there's a bonus sure. I just got I don't know if y'all can see this but I don't know if y'all can see that you just helped Todd Capital hey. make a sale look we lit that's over dope. here <laughs> that's <laughs> dope <laughs> man he I don't know what he did he got it quick man like he ran up like like maybe like $900 in sales in like maybe a week of being an affiliate yeah cause I saw you post like the listing of affiliates I'm like I gotta catch up like I'm just starting but look <laughs> hey I'm finna catch up <laughs> Killed it. He killed it. So that's dope. And Raphael, he's been making some moves too, because for the longest time he had been stagnant. And I think it was my fault. So I take the blame for that. Yeah, because yeah. I don't want to talk about that, but uh <laughs> but no, I'm I'm like, this, dude, this dude Raphael's not doing nothing. What's going on? And I'm like, you gotta authorize me for this stuff, bro. Right. Yeah, it was a glitch as, in the As soon as you did it, the sales started coming, like boom, boom, boom. Yep. It's been a good dope. Like week and a half. Yeah. Good. I I saw it. I saw the balance, and I was like, "What?" 
I'm like, and I started thinking about what can I buy? What can I buy? And I had to say, <laughs> I had to stop myself and say, no, no, no. That's what we do around here, man. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't buy nothing. Like, yeah. I'm lucky it didn't, money didn't come yet. I was going to ask Brian yeah. if he's bought any, any Yeezys since those, uh, the Earth ones. No, I only bought those. Like, I tried to get another pair. I can't get through no more. I think um, it's tough for me to get through online, but I have a store like down the street that I would go to. But usually I'm, I, I was out of town uh, with the last few releases. So I haven't, but I want some more. Yeah. You connect with Byron Sellers? I haven't met him in person before, uh, but I talked to him a couple of times. You know, okay. He's out in Chicago. But I know he got yeah. a bunch. He right, he's like the he's like the king of the Yeezys. Yeah, going crazy with it. All right, so for those listening, we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, shout out to sponsor of the show, investorsteam.com. Hustle for your last name, and you can't find me, the boss. Um, we got a special guest with us tonight, Brian Robinson, aka the Infamous CPA. You can follow him on Twitter at the Infamous CPA. Same handle on Instagram. Thank you. you can follow me, Raphael, on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow Charles on Twitter at Todd Billy T O D D B I L L I. I'm changing follow. that tonight. <laughs> we'll have all his links in the in the bio. You have all the links in the bio to so all the courses: the car rental course, the house hacking one on one course, and he also has a deal on a bundle. You might want to get that passive income bundle. Passive Huge income. deal right now. You better jump on it right now. If I believe it's $85 for both. Yep. Now, definitely. I was going to cop that. I was going to cop that, and then I realized I already had the car rental course. <laughs> and I was thinking, I was like, should I get both? But I was like, no, I already got both. And so then I, well, I only had the first one, so I got the second one. So I purchased the house hack course. I plan on watching that tonight. It was funny, but uh, as soon as Brian, like, Brian made me an affiliate for the car rental course, maybe like five minutes later, it's like, boom, sale. I'm like, who the hell going so fast? Or oh, it was less than five minutes. It's like, I left the email that says Charles Oglesby. I'm like, oh, shoot. Special guest, Brian Aiffin for the CPA. Your host, Raphael and Charles. Tweet Talk, episode 40. We are out. Yo, this is your boy, Donald the Boys. Donald the Boys. And that's right. If you're listening, then you know a little bit of my swag, my production. I'm a voiceover artist, podcast producer, and also a little bit of a creative. And I want to offer you a special offer for this podcast listenership. That's right. Head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you need any kind of commercials, promos, or advertisements, that then I'll be sure to hook you up. With prices starting as low as $50 for a fully produced commercial, I'm willing to give you the best value that you can get anywhere. So once again, head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And I look forward to talking to you. And, and, and now, back to the show.